Hello and welcome to Off the Shelf with Phil and Dave, the movie talk show where each week one of us takes a movie off our shelf, presents it to the other, and then shares our thoughts. This week we've got coming off of Dave's Shelf, 2004's The Village, directed by M. Night Shyamalan, uh, written by him as well, I suppose, and uh, starring Joaquin Phoenix, uh, William Hurt, Bryce Dallas Howard, a cast of hundreds. Yes. Produced, too, by uh, M. Night as well. He uh, wrote it. Directed and produced. Yes, he likes taking all the credit and has a little cameo in all of his movies. Of course. He's a bit of an egomaniac. I was not, I, uh, I knew he, it's just a matter of when, right? Uh, really. That's right, exactly. And I thought, there he was. David, here you are once again presenting an M. Night movie to me. Yes. Uh, one that I've never seen before. Good. What brings it off the shelf this week and how are you doing? It's been sitting there for a while and I actually had never watched it. I forgot I actually had it tucked away. And okay. I don't know why it got lost in the shuffle. And then I read somewhere that it was one of his underrated movies. I had it set in my head which ones of his movies I liked, which ones I didn't like, without actually watching them for whatever reason. Like, nah, <laughs> I'm from a village. No, he's no, I, I'm not going to like it. Been there, lived it, don't want to see it. Liberal Magnolia effect. So, but sure. I figured let's give it a whirl and your yeah, first okay. your first viewing. I'm really curious to hear just some initial thoughts. I don't want you to give away everything now. Let's uh, spread it out a little bit here. But just give me a, a bit of an idea of your initial thoughts and reactions towards this installment of M. Night uh, Shyamalan. What it really does, I think, in short, is probably reaffirm my disliking of this director. Okay. Basically... <laughs> Yeah, it was proof of my opinions. You had talked before about you heard about it, uh, underrated, what have you, thought, why not give it a try? But you came in with some preconceptions of your own past with this director. Yes. And I did as well. I have never heard the underrated part of this movie in particular. Maybe but I have him. heard the overrated <laughs> with regards to the director itself. Now, you and I have gone through a few of these of his movies over the over these years together wonderful years together yes that's right joyful years together and um some of those were most of those frankly were new watches to me entirely because again i hadn't really you don't uh, like i'd written them off fairly early fairly early oh i guess it goes with your sixth sense experience right i believe if that memory that's it it was 100 percent right it was 100 percent right so sixth sense was by many People, I have not gone back to that movie since it came out in '99. Well, so it will happen. I can recognize my deficiencies there. It's okay. But that being said, I was so unimpressed and maybe unenamored of that movie that as it went on, I just and then the Bruce Willis effect of Unbreakable onward and onward. So it just really wasn't a thing that that I got I get into. It. So I get it. So when it came time for this one, I, again, I try and put those things aside. There were some problems, like you said, like in every movie, certainly every one of his movies. Glass was a bit of a disaster. This was nice because it wasn't part of that trilogy. It was something adjacent to it and somewhere in between. This is post-Unbreakable, but pre-Split. Yes, the middle somewhere. So yeah. maybe his third or fourth movie, I think post-Signs as well, which I think was a couple years earlier. So, so there was this sort of feeling like, okay, let's see where he's at. And, <laughs> so just um, check in. Let's check in with M Night and see, just, see what we're uh, <laughs> at it to in two thousand four. Right. M Night, yeah, that's right. And uh, yeah, generally speaking, left me fairly cold. Okay, that's fair. That's my short. That's <laughs> you that's wanted it tight. Short. You wanted it short. There it is. Answer. <laughs> and yeah, I would agree. Uh, it's I, I watched it twice, 
I, I, I do feel it was worth a rewatch because like many of his movies, now that we have certain knowledge, it's interesting to go back on it having that knowledge of people not having it the first time. Much like in Sixth Sense, that's the biggest example. But he has many movies of, of that. Every time you can see little Easter eggs he leaves behind and some foreshadowing you may not get the first time around. And so I do think it, there's some replayability value with the movie. But I would say underrated wouldn't have been the term. I would little, probably have used underwhelming. I don't think it's bad. Okay. I don't think it's bad. There are elements of it but as an overall experience I'm, I was left at the end a little bit I don't know I kind of that's it okay so that happened <laughs> and, <we'll, laughs> and and yeah if we can get through a beat by beat exactly what it was because there are there's a there's enough here to unravel and get to because there's so many performances and you're not, and this is my opinion and I'd love to hear yours the performances that I liked I wasn't expecting where I expected more from other actors and was left saying, oh, you, I didn't feel it was very good. And I, I expected that person to be the biggest performance. Again, just my opinion, we can go back and forth on those performances as we go through. But it seems like, it seems like we're similar. I'm probably leaning a little bit less of not dislike, dislike than you because I am the M. Night uh, more of a fan-ish than you are. I wasn't. I, I started off a fan because I, I had a different experience with Sixth Sense. Basically the opposite experience than you does you. <laughs> yeah. Probably because Bruce was in it and I thought it was such a cool twist. Oh yeah, I love this guy. And then it's been like a rocky relationship with M. Night ever since Sixth Sense. Some up and downs. Almost toxic. Actually, no, I wouldn't go that far. Uh, <laughs> I think that's his, I think that's his shtick. And ultimately, again, I've checked out Generally speaking, in general. much like Tarantino, we've talked about before, right? Where it's just he, the, a new movie of his does not excite me. It doesn't mean it's bad. It doesn't mean that I think it's like the worst thing that, to happen. It just doesn't do anything to get me really excited. Whereas yeah. there are many others that are like, oh gosh, the new Tarantino movie is yeah. coming out. I've got to get there. I went to see Glass because I was excited. But I had, and, and Sixth Sense, those are the two movies where I've specifically gone to the theater to see one of his movies. But that's it. And probably Unbreakable. Oh, okay. Sorry, Unbreakable, yes. Those three. The rest of them, when Old came out, which is probably his most recent one, I had no sort of, nah, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll see it eventually. Maybe it's good. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But like you, yeah, I typically didn't rush to many of them, but there are a couple. So when you presented it, I thought, here we go again. But what I remembered about this movie, just in terms of the discourse in 2004, because I was obviously working at the video store and had already I I had watched Signs I think I believe I had rented Signs I skipped Unbreakable because of the Bruce factor did watch Signs and it was after that one that I thought I don't think I need to see another one of these this one kind of came and went and what I remember was like all of his movies you won't believe the twist now as we've talked about before there is this feeling of someone saying I won't ruin the mm. twist for you <laughs> but <laughs> You've got to see this movie in yeah. and of itself is an is an indication that there is a twist. Now obviously yeah. this director has basically can... made a career of it, right? <laughs> yes. So it's not unheard of or I was already anticipating that there would be some kind of that. The benefit of it being almost 20 years since I've since any conversation around this movie. We talked last week about The Road to Perdition and not really having much of a legacy, let's say. I would say this one fills into a similar category which is mm -hmm. his movies 
he is a director in his movies in general, I think do have a certain amount of pedigree and people talking about them. However, this one and I think The Lady in the Water in particular are two that just seemingly don't exist. Like when I thought about The Village, I was like, I have not thought or heard of this movie (laughs) in almost 20 years. The benefit of that was I was able to go in pretty clean, despite the fact that I knew it was an M. Night Shyamalan movie. And similar a little bit to what we experienced in Road to Perdition, which is here's a bunch of actors that I've seen some of I've seen a bunch since and some in weirdly I haven't really seen much of in the intervening years. Adrian Brody is a character as an actor that I loved in like American History X, which is in 99. He was briefly in the Thin Red Line in 98 and the pianist, I believe, may have been this year, the year before. Or yeah. 2002, actually, I think it was, he I think he won the year of the road, road yeah, tradition. So you're, a, I remember you being a fan of Adrian Brody. Am I wrong in saying that, or am I right in saying you have a, you're a bit of a fan? Generally speaking, he's a guy that I I don't really chase, but I more often than not enjoy. Okay. I thought he was pretty good in the Third Predator movie. I thought that was an interesting choice. He's good in The Pianist, and I loved him in Summer of Sam. So when I saw that he was in this movie, I had no idea what the role it was. I saw Michael Pitt, whom I liked in Boardwalk Empire. We've got obviously Sigourney Weaver. I was you know pleased to see, and William Hurt is an actor that I've had at times doing something like broadcast news and other stuff. I'm like, oh wow, this guy is great. And then other times I'm like, yeah, he's okay. And so there's a lot of actors in this movie that I recognized, and I was like, how is this going to unfold? Because I don't really know anything really about the story. And so yeah, I was no going idea. in. F- yeah. So I was. I don't want to say excited, but I was interested. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'll take it. And I had no idea what it was but about either. I had less knowledge about this yeah, movie than right. probably Road to Perdition. Yeah, that's that's pretty much all that I knew going in, too, is really like M. Night and Village, and that's all I, I really and twist. remembered. <laughs> and twist. And I thought there was enough stuff in there in in terms of the cast, and I suppose the it doesn't really you don't really know what the premise is other than there's just they're protected and nestled in this village is yes. a, what comes out fairly early on in the story. And I thought, well, that's, there's a story there. You can make mm-hmm. a, a creepy kind of, I don't want to say scary, this isn't that movie, but no. I can see how you can make a, an unnerving, unsettling yeah. kind of eerie. So I like that they at least tease this outsiders, insiders, protection at all costs, put up the borders and so forth. Is somebody letting them in or out or mm-hmm. is someone breaching right there's i thought there's room for that kind of story and they really don't not much comes of it i feel like that's really the general sense of the movie is not much really comes from any of its themes did you were you expecting something and disappointed by what generally speaking were you anticipating and did it deliver maybe is a better question yeah one thing i will say first is i I felt like this would be a good seemed like a kind of like a good pre-halloween movie as we get closer because it's definitely not a horror movie there are some scary instances but it's not really that's it just but you're right and it did take a direction that I didn't think it was going to take it was a little bit misleading to what I thought it was going to be for better for worse but it took me down this road these people whatever they are from the forest this is interesting and these elders there's certainly a dynamic there and and who knows what Uh, Phoenix's character refers to secrets in the village I don't know how I feel about that good or bad we're doing this. Okay, interesting. Let's go, M. Night. Uh, I'll follow you. I'll follow you anywhere, apparently. That's not necessarily true. I watched The Happening and hated it. But 
Yeah, so it was <laughs> a little odd. I think that's one of the problems is I think that they allude to these secrets or allude to those we do not speak of and mm -hmm. a place behind, beyond the, the woods and into the towns. And there is this sort of mystery attached to it. But I find, A, the culmination of what that is is really uninteresting. And it drags on so long without the reveal that I think it loses whatever gravity it may have had in those early scenes and the early ideas presenting in the movie as the plot starts to unravel. You think, oh, this could be interesting. Okay. But by the time we actually get to a payoff, and it, I use that term pretty loosely, <laughs> but by the time we get to a payoff, it's really such a lack, to me, a lackluster payoff. Yeah. And the twist is such a lackluster twist that yeah. by the time it's over, I realize I feel like I almost wasted an hour 48 because... Nothing really seemed to matter. There wasn't mm -hmm. any real stakes. Nothing ever really... And even yeah. in the early stages, it nothing doesn't changed. give you a sense of urgency. It's basically the same flatline throughout the whole movie. Yeah. And I don't know if you felt the same way, but for me, I just was... There is no spike in what's happening. There's nothing compelling, I don't think. He's... Yeah, M. Night is interesting that way. And As we get through the movie, I'll, I'll tell you the points where I, I really liked. But they're so, like... It's a, there's just a, there's small moments. They're they're not big peaks. It's just good timing. It's it happens to be a good camera shot with the right music and something just everything just clicks for about thirty seconds and then it's gone. And then we get back to the flat line. The sort of okay. And the more I think about it, as we get to, towards the end of the movie, you're right when you say nothing's really like things have obviously happened. This is a story. Sure. But yeah, we. There's nothing like leaving you like, oh, well, good. they're just going to continue on. This has happened. Okay. It's just, it is underwhelming. And as I continue through the movie, I'm thinking to myself, is this going to hit like unbreakable hit? And I started to get a little bit worried. I'm thinking, I don't know, because unbreakable, if you remember, even I said it's a slow burn, but it had such a, a great last, in my opinion, 20 minutes that it keeps me going back. Where this, it wasn't necessarily a slow burn. I was enough to keep me interested, but it made me think that something bigger was going to happen. There was a bigger stake, and as it all laid itself out, I finally realized by the end when the credits came up, okay, it didn't happen. It's it didn't get me there. <laughs> it didn't get me there, Phil. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> I, I think you're very right because ultimately you did mention that in Unbreakable that. It is that slow build, but when it does crest in the pool and he's the fight sequence and he avenges this thing, you it, it described your elation, like how mm -hmm. you got goosebumps and like elated. really got excited. The music, and same guy, same guy. I too, didn't Thomas feel that level, but I definitely I enjoyed it. Like I, I was like, okay, it's picking up a little bit. But I think we both had a fairly similar response. I felt anyway to myself of glass where there was so little happening in that movie. I made the same complaint where there was so little happening in that movie that by the time we get to the final face-off amongst these three that the movie has theoretically been building towards, yeah, yeah, it was over before it really mattered. It happened. It was pretty lackluster. And by that yeah. time, I felt like it had already burned whatever credibility it already had about, oh, wait till these three, wait till wait till Bruce Willis yeah. breaks free or wait till <laughs> the beast is there. able to fully, it never really gets there. And I feel like this movie is suffers from very similar thing. 
coincidentally, like I want to say maybe 10 years earlier. So it's as if he just hasn't learned a lesson. It's, it's somewhere in there <laughs> because this one I felt so, again, lifeless that by the time the anything happens, it's really lame. Now, I did think the movie looked gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I thought you've got we t- we mentioned last week Conrad Hall's uh, Oscar nomination uh, and win actually for The Road to Perdition. Yeah, that's we tough have to follow for sure. We Maybe. have Roger Deakins, uh, who's one of the all-time great cinematographers. Shot the the latest uh, Blade Runner movie, uh, The Assassination of Jesse James. Uh, works with the Coen Brothers a lot. Um, he's phenomenal, and so I thought the look, the aesthetic of this movie, to be. Actually, more less so the aesthetic, because I felt like last week we had lush costuming and great frame and use of color and light and so forth. I thought this just looks pretty, but I wasn't that impressed with the costuming, and I wasn't particularly ex- ex- excited with the sort of color schemes. I just thought looked, yeah, the camera movements were, yeah. were pretty good. But in terms of just the framing, I thought the frames were pretty solid. Yeah, I would agree. And it did the, the greens didn't really pop. Maybe they, it was because they want the reds to really pop. Maybe uh, that's but, possible. Yeah, but as if, but I would agree with the atmosphere of it, and I I will say that Thomas Newton Howard scored this movie. He did Unbreakable, so they have they've clearly mm-hmm. have worked b- uh, together before. That he did Blood Diamond, so we someone who we've definitely spoke of before. Yes, and I don't recall having that M Night shot that I didn't like. There were some pretty cool shots in the forest, a couple good choices there that were interesting, either if it was from a drone shot or just – I felt like one shot he was just really high up on a ladder pointing down. I think that might have been, yep, might be yep. the one you're talking about sort of thing. So I, I did appreciate that. I, and I can't say there was one where I said, you know what, this is – he's obviously being showy. We've mentioned him being showy before. I didn't feel like he had that showy moment. He had his moment no, of being you're... in the movie, but not no showy <laughs> camera work. You're very right. I thought the same thing that our big or my one of my bigger complaints around him has been over the last couple of movies is that showy camera, very yeah, knowing positioning yeah. and so forth. It sticks out. And uh, yeah, the, the, it, it, true to the movie itself, nothing really sticks out. <laughs> Except for those damn red flowers. That's it. That sticks out. You got to bury it. You got to get rid of those red the, flowers. <laughs> That's right. You got to move on, <laughs> but yeah. So I, I do appreciate the score. It didn't really stick out. That's not a. It's not a bad thing. When I did notice it, I thought it was effective, but generally speaking, wasn't overbearing or took me out or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Solid score, generally speaking. Yeah, I have high expectations of this guy, for good reason because he's put out a lot of good work over the years. I appreciate him, so he did well again. Yeah, he's definitely a name that we. That when I see him, I'm pleased. Uh, Noteworthy look to his work, say the least. Absolutely. David, uh, after all that, Uh, yeah, the movie begins. The movie begins. You know what's funny about that is, again, it's a movie that I have no idea what's going on, and I'm okay with that as long as it tells the story and it it doesn't leave me wondering what was going on the whole movie. At some point, they have to tell the story. (laughs) So I I thought it was neat. I saw the tombstone for the kid. Obviously, it was a small casket, so you knew it was a, a young person. And I saw the tombstone, and it said 1890 to 1897, right? Seven-year-olds, yes. it, all, it all matches up. Now, I'm not sure if my wife's dyslexic or not. I teased her a little bit, but she said she thought it read 1980, I think, and to something. So she just mm-hmm. misread like the eight and the nine. And I just think okay. that's funny with what <laughs> where the movie ends up going. What I found interesting, and I don't know how you feel about this, because 
I didn't get it at the beginning. I thought, okay, you're dropping a hint to something maybe. But by the end, it made even less sense. What's your take on the 1890 to 1897 thing? Other than obviously it's seven-year-old kid. But if they created this world Mm -hmm. and they have no access to the outside world and everybody born in this world only knows this world... Why does it have to be 1890? Why couldn't it have been 2006? You're, you know what I mean? Why does it have to be 1890? They don't have books, presumably. They're not learning from the outside world, or maybe they are. That stuff was never really clear, and I thought, oh, 1890, interesting. I think that's a so, good question, Phil. It's not something I really have thought about. I think probably it's just M. Night wanting to trick the audience. Yeah, I think think that's that's, exactly right, which is why I I hate him. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And it worked. But I see your point. If you dig a little bit, which you clearly have, why does it matter? And I would guess because of the elders, they said, let's live and let's raise these kids as if it's this time. And that's what they decided on. Let's start at 18... It was just they got together one of their elder meetings and say, let's just start at 1870 and we'll just start from there. Let's just do it. And uh, there's no it's just a decision that got made. I don't know if it was a Hertz decision or Weaver's decision, but one of the elders said, yeah, we're doing this. And motion passed. And the motion passed saying, all right, it's 1870. Away we go. I don't know how long they've been there for. Probably it doesn't feel that too long. Obviously, maybe. If that kid was born there, it's been at least seven years, but there's something I want to talk about that later that I'm confused about. What they do set up late, soon after is the girls are playing on the porch, yes, and you've got a real interstellar vibe by sweeping away the dust of the porch <laughs> suddenly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they do notice uh, off to the side corner of the yard, whatever else, they grab a red flower and they run to get it, quickly bury it underneath, dig a quick hole and bury it. And I thought, that's what's happening. So I like that there, I like movies that ask a question, much like that 1890 Tombstone would, right? It's, what does this mean? Or the Reds, their reaction, I don't even know that it's Reds. It's just something about this flower needs to be buried. And I thought that was interesting to establish. And I do like that one more than any other does carry forward throughout the rest of the movie, whereas obviously the, the dates don't matter. No, none of that matters, but the red does. There's It definitely plays a role throughout the whole movie, and I'm okay with those things as well, things that you don't have answers for right away. You yes. just have to trust the story, trust the people making it, that it, it'll all make sense eventually, and with M. Night, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, in this case, uh, I would say that everything about the redness of the movie, I'd had zero issues with it as a theme. I would say. Agre- agreed. I like that too. I, I just thought that they're they're definitely by posing those kind of questions and adding a little bit of color to an otherwise fairly, like we said, drab movie, definitely pops a little bit. Yeah, and then we, of course yeah. we get quickly to William Hurt and his brainwashing ways. <laughs> More than I thought about it, he's just brainwashing these kids, which I don't know if I approve of that. Yeah, we've got some of that stuff where I don't agree with that, obviously, uh, although uh, <laughs> some might call it gaslighting uh, available in the archives. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> the 1944 version, Angela <laughs> Lansbury. Uh. Yeah. Uh, but the questions, the sort of looking out over the forest, having the, the monitors 
but so again, it establishes that there is something potentially out there with the noises a and threat. so forth. There's all yeah, this sort of things. Yeah. There's a threat and we see the stripped dog or the skinned dog. Brody does indicate that he's enjoying some of those elements in a weird way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but as an interesting character, I thought, you know, he's a weird guy, but I, I do feel like there's, I thought his performance was a, not very subtle, obviously, but I thought fairly effective for what that, he doesn't get to speak. Um, ultimately, mm-hmm. uh, very minimal words and obviously playing someone uh, with uh, some deficiencies. Performances obviously play a pretty big role in any movie. For those who don't know, acting, uh, if it's good, can make a movie better. And I, I really felt that uh, his performance right from minute one, I just had a good feeling. And I don't think there's any point in this movie where I changed my mind on that at all on him. No, I, I agree. I thought he really, of, of anybody, even though and this maybe tells you more about the story in general, is that he's the only one with any sort of interesting characteristics in an otherwise fairly banal characterizations by almost everybody else. With I like uh, almost agree. Okay, all almost. Right. <laughs> Respect, respect, little pushback. <laughs> William Hurt, I, I, as an actor, I like him, but it, I find so much of the dialogue in this movie to be so stiff, stiff, and it's delivered <laughs> stiffly and written so stiffly that it wants yeah. us to believe that the movie is set in 1890 in some ways. And maybe that's but why. Maybe because they actually aren't, and maybe that's why I, I they're putting a performance. Like everything feels performative. Is that the idea? I don't think it is, but I, I told myself <laughs> we can, that. We can call it that? <laughs> yeah, because it was weird. We'll pretend. With, generally with the elders, I didn't like and Yeah, William Hurt's a guy that has a long, solid, really good resume. And I don't know. I don't know. I was going to ask you because I'm thinking, is it just me? But I felt outside of a couple of, char- couple of characters, I thought the performance lackluster. And from people I wasn't expecting. Now, I don't know a lot about Sigourney Weaver either, other than being an alien and aliens and maybe some other aliens. And Galaxy Quest, which I thought she was absolutely amazing. Him and Tim Allen. She's a great actor. What a duo. (laughs) And I thought, I don't know, does she actually, I don't know. I I didn't think she performed really well, but maybe there's just, it could have been just the writing, right? I don't want to, I'm not going to put blame anyone on anything and anything or anyone uh but yeah that's it it stood out for me and i I wanted your opinion on how generally how you felt about the performances in this movie i really didn't again other than adrian brody's character i didn't really care about anybody in this movie i didn't find any of the performances to be interesting or the dialogue i thought was so trite nothing popped there was no even at the the height of drama I, I thought the characters the the actors the characters didn't get to where they needed to be in order to make it relevant and in the the moments of dread they didn't really get there i thought having bryce dallas ivy there as her character i thought so bland joaquin phoenix is an actor that is generally very capable wow. academy award Joker, winner now right? so yeah exactly he has maybe one scene that i felt something during and we'll get to that a little later maybe but generally speaking i thought performances were generally bad and despite the fact that last week we had a bunch of actors that we really like and there they were in this movie that we had not hadn't seen in a long time or barely even heard of all delivering great roles great performances i thought and by the time this one it's oh there's still a bunch of faces and names that i i recognize 
but none of them are really doing anything interesting, in my view. At, you weren't, at you weren't no getting point. as advertised in Road to Perdition. As, as you get Paul Newman, as advertised. Tom Hanks, as advertised. But you do not get yeah. that in this movie. That's right. Nobody delivers, I think. Nobody, certainly not over delivers, but barely even kind of scrapes by. And, and I find that the story is just so slow. We've got Lucius, who is Joaquin Phoenix's character. He wants to cross the border. He wants to go to the yeah, town. get out there. Yeah. He wants yeah, to see the world. Curious. He's young, impressionable. Absolutely. Yeah. We all were there. That's just human. Yeah, that's just human. And that's why they're always constantly having to brainwash them. I, I, and I get why they're doing it. I understand it. I'm not saying it's correct. I don't condone it. But you, you kids, especially children, they're curious. So you have to put these stories deep in their conscious and subconscious. Like, you do not go in there under any circumstances. And I had a friend of mine, a neighbor, one of my best friends, was living down the hall from me. And we went to the park once with his probably seven, eight-year-old son. And the park is right next to a forest. And he said, don't go in the forest. There's monsters in there. And, oh, shoot. I thought that's horribly irresponsible because <laughs> now you're, like, confirming to a nine-year-old that there's monsters in the in the forest. And so if he says there's monsters in my closet, you can't go, there's no monsters, you idiot. <laughs> you have to play the game now for the rest of your, at least till the kid opens and yeah, gets burned. Yeah, like 11 or 12. You can't just say, oh, there's just there's probably rapists and murderers in the forest. <laughs> that's I guess right. monsters is an easy out. I, I get it, uh, the whole yeah. Santa Claus thing, but on the other end of the spectrum. That's right. But the idea that you that there is something to that, right, where you lie or you manipulate the people, the child, whatever, to stay within your boundaries. Don't cross over mm -hmm. there. You'll get Very stabbed. Common. Don't go over here. You'll be murdered, so on and <laughs> so forth. So yeah. that is, I think, fairly common. And I, as again, thematically, as an idea, if someone were to tell me, pitch me this movie, I would say, that sounds interesting. Pursue it. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I see the value in this. And yeah, sure. at the beginning... I'm thinking, okay, let's see what's happening. Okay, we've talked about, we've now seen the animal that's been skinned. We have the terms like those we do not speak of, the color that they don't like. We, and William Hurt telling us, protecting us from ever going out in the woods and they don't cross our boundaries. But I, I like these, these, these slow beginnings and Lucius wanting to cross those borders. Someone is killing yeah. these animals. I want to discover who or find out. I yeah. do think that there's some merit in there. Sure, um, absolutely. But I don't particularly care for is the Kitty. Is it Kitty? I can't remember. No, Kitty is Ju Judy, Judy Greer's Greer. character in He's Arrested the Development. the third best performance in this movie. <laughs> and that's an issue. Oh, I love that her. Is an I think issue. she's great. I think she's, she's fantastic. generally great. Yes. She just has a, a just a, I think she's a good actress. Everything yep. I watch, I think she puts 100% into it. And she does great roles. Lots of energy. And the fact that she's my third favorite in this movie, she should be a little bit further down the line just because she's not in it that much. She's not the that's main right. focus. So that's, that, that is a concern, Philip, I must say, but <laughs> good for her. Great to see her and I love it. But yeah. There's, yeah, I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more. I thought she's always, oh, I like her. She's in the latest uh, run of uh, Halloween movies. Uh, oh, I didn't know David that. Gordon Greed. She's in Adaptation uh, briefly. She's in a few other movies, oh, obviously. Chris Cooper, in, uh, I heard, Development. Was in I heard That's Chris Cooper right. won an Oscar. Correct. I don't wonder where you heard that. <laughs> um, you heard it so, here, folks. You heard it here first. But yeah, so I agree. But the level of excitement, she's going to marry somebody and it's all going to be a thing. And the that hard cut to her crying, I thought that was a funny, that was a kind of an unenjoyable kind of moment. 
That was I wrote that down as a good cut. To it's a good cut. Yeah, yeah, very good. So but good. Th- but before that, we've got the dialogue. I was I have written down here. The young man is uncertain, insecure of his of your intention, unaware of your intentions. The I wrote terrible dialogue, terrible. <laughs> Because it was like the first establishment <laughs> of the heightened language. Everything else up until that point, those we do not speak of, it's I can believe where that's coming from. But these are like yeah. two humans talking to each other. This is a father mm-hmm. and his daughter talking to each other, communicating, and it's drab and heightened and overstated. I just thought, oh, is this what we're dealing with? And sure enough, it was. <laughs> yeah. And it's for something that they don't... that. Of who we do not speak of, they sure often spoke about them a lot. They did talk a lot about them. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, you might as well give them a name at this point, guys. You're breaking your own rule. And William Hurts, he's all all about breaking the rules. Unfortunately, what did you think of the tree game? It was a, a funny moment, and it I thought it was a good part of the movie just to continue that theme of okay, there's something in there that's they're supposed to be scared of, and yep. they're trying to make us scared of it. They have a tower. They got Obi Wan Kenobi up there overlooking everything, and Obi Wan. He just looks. I was assuming you mean of the cloaks, the the, the colorful, yes. the drab brown cl- cloaks you're speaking of. Yeah, the first shot of, of somebody up in that tower. I think it's Pitt. It just really looked just the way he, it, was, it wasn't just the cloak. It was just the the sort of the way he was standing. It looked very okay. very Obi Wan ish, very Jedi. Obviously, uh, this is not the bit. village you're looking for. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so this movie, it's it ha- doesn't have me hooked. If we talk about the first 20 minutes, but I am, like yourself, I'm intrigued. I'm interested. I'm curious to what this is, where this is going to take us. I think that's the problem with this movie is that what it tries to set up is so lit, is, it's never delivered upon. And then when it is, like the things that it does choose to pay off later on, I find so banal and bland something like the scene where they're talking about uh, sorrow can smell you and there's a box of something under the stairs this is when he goes to see the dad gleason Mm -hmm. who's still mourning the loss of his son one of his 14 kids yeah one of his 14 kids exactly (laughs) and it's like that's so dolly over to reveal that there's a box underneath the stairs or something like that and you're like okay what's So there's, there's secrets bit. like they talk about. There's some secrets and so forth. Okay. There's something, yeah. The twist there's is something. in that box. That's <laughs> right. But by the time we get to that reveal, A, it's just so tacked on, and B, it's just so boring. I thought, Ugh. But in the moment, I'm like, okay, that's intriguing enough. And we really get Noah now who's been beating somebody up or what have you, and he goes and has to go into the quiet room. Rough housing. We didn't have to because Ivy kept him out. Made it struck a deal. They made a deal. Um, they made a deal. Yeah, struck a deal. Bryce Dallas Howard. Yep. Ron so, Howard's uh, daughter. daughter. Yes, daughter of uh, Ronald Howard, the great. I thought, Phil, that she was very – I found her mesmerizing. I thought her performance was quite good. I like think that she Brody. definitely was the best performance in the movie. I think maybe yes. she's hampered by the dad, the dialogue I don't love. And yeah, I would agree. And I think the I, payoff of everything doesn't work entirely. And I think yeah. that hurts my. But it's not her. But that's true. That As you say yeah. it, and as I'm forced to rethink it, the problem is she got so much brought into the muck and mire of what I thought the movie was so messy about. 
but taking her performance out I, I do agree i have to uh you you forced me into it i would say that uh, <laughs> she is definitely she was yeah. always my my the, the best performance of the movie to me but I, yes, as you mentioned i, I think spot. there's probably she deserves a little more credit than i was prepared to give her i'm glad you i'm glad you came around this is probably her in one of her first big roles i would think anyways i don't really know much about her outside of she, the jurassic park movies I so think I don't think really I've seen her in anything else but those Jurassic Park, the first one. I never saw the other two, but yeah, same I think here. That's yeah, it. I, I don't know it. anything. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, but I, I did. It makes me curious to maybe look into that and maybe check out some of her early work around. And she's got to play a blind woman. What are your thoughts around the fact that she can see colors on certain people, uh, primarily her father and uh, Joaquin Phoenix's uh, Lucius? What do you think about that as a thing? I'm not familiar enough with the legitimacy of it. So from a character yeah, I'm okay perspective, that, yeah. I'm in I'm into yeah. it. Okay, I'm, yeah. I'm allowing it. It's that inner world versus outer world. It's okay, establish yeah. it and and I'll run with it even if it doesn't yeah. if it if even if it isn't factual, it doesn't matter, just tell me it is. And so I, I put it in that category. I, I thought as a plotting device it works. Yeah, agreed, hundred percent. Good glad we're on the same page there. And she does run like a boy. Actually I didn't think she did, but I wasn't really looking at the running. But <laughs> What I thought there was one scene where she and Lucius are the first time they're really interacting with one another and there's tap dancing around their history and she says something which I, I really thought was the most one of the more interesting lines of dialogue in the movie that has nothing to do with the movie in general but I did think this is a thing. And mm -hmm. it, the line is, sometimes we don't do the things we want to do so others don't know that we want to do them. Yeah. And I that thought, that's pretty profound and better than any dialogue that's delivered in this movie. It's the one that sort of sticks out to a certain extent. There's one other scene I like regarding like an actual well, kind a, of talky scene. Yeah, it does that a couple times, though. It It talks about that sort of... Not exactly about that, but something about later about his mom and the reason why William Hurt's character doesn't touch her because mm. he likes you. So it, yeah. it's the same sort of premise world. And it, so it does go after that sort of point a couple of times, that theme. And yes. I thought that was quite interesting. And, and you're right. It doesn't really have anything to do directly with the plot, but it, it just it just adds something to the world that's quite interesting and quite provocative and and something to think about. And I think it ring, rings true, really, to, in, in real life. So we get the reveal as to why we they bury the red, right? That it's their color, it's the evil color, it's to keep them at bay and so forth. And I, again, that's a that's about a half hour into the movie. So you get a sense as to the setup and the payoff. Okay, we did all this and now we know why. And it gets revealed that there is monsters out there, perhaps. And I don't know if you noticed oh, yeah. <laughs> anything like the Halloween shot that drives me the most bonkers is the if oh, you I remember, remember that the, yeah <laughs> Jamie Lee yeah, Curtis looking exactly out the window the scene. yeah <laughs> uh, this scene where Joaquin is out there and the camera just gets a, a brief glimpse of this <sighs> yeah. monsters sneaking by but Joaquin's yeah. looking in that direction the whole time so <laughs> yeah and how scary is that I don't know that's a good that's funny I wonder how many people notice that because I didn't I don't notice these things until you tell me he can still if it's moving from right to left he yeah. has all this extra he can just yeah he's gonna see it from a mile that's uh, right how scared is he if he <laughs> yeah unless it hides behind a tree but still obviously it does make a note of saying hey it, it saw me 
But That's it didn't right. really, yeah, talk about, I saw it do all sorts of things. I just, yeah, I just stood there and I did this. I took a pee. <laughs> I, I did this. I started a fire. It really uh, wasn't that intimidating. It's broad daylight and yeah. it just it looked okay. Yeah, we had some tea and some crumpets. <laughs> now, that is funny. That, that is, I, I, your mind is really good with picking up on things like the Spielberg effect where nothing else is happening if it's not on the camera. That's right. Yes. The, yeah, that's interesting. Classic. <laughs> And that sort of leads us in, Phil, actually. I think if we're at the point where it's the the real first reveal, we see Pitt's character up in the tower, and he and this is a really jolting moment. He sees the uh, the creature below, scurrying. Yes. I would yes. say scurrying would be the right word. And he hits his head on the hatch, on the which is, I think, a, a funny moment, which not funny, but funny. And he... <laughs> <laughs> He rings the bell. It's it's a bell that we get the impression hasn't been rung for a very long time. It's that every few years, kids start to get curious and or kids have grown up a little bit. We have to assert ourselves and go through the motions to re-scare people. And then we're good every for a little a while. while. Yeah. yeah. If they ask that, too many questions, let's, yeah. you know, yeah, for sure. And then we have everyone scurrying. It seems to be go to your basements. Everyone seems to have a compartment to go underneath into their basement, which is really cool. And we have the Walker house home. And for whatever reason, Ivy just opens up the door and, and sticks her hand out. Yeah. Eh, questionable decision. I get it. It's setting up a scene here. And I, I can appreciate that. And um, she's obviously waiting for Lucius to come keep her safe after they've had a couple conversations and declared some feelings and such. And I appreciate that. So, and then we get a real good look at this creature, it seems like these creatures are real. This is, uh, as far as we know, a thing. Interesting, because they can do whatever they want. It's 1890. It's funny. Yeah. It's cool. <laughs> uh, and then the music changes a bit, and then time to what I want to say perfection, Lucius' character comes in, grabs her hand. In slow, slow motion. motion. Yep. Yeah, and goes down the hatch with the rest of the family, and you see them clutching Philip, this is what I'm talking about when I said in the, in the beginning how he's so good at giving you an amazing 30 seconds every movie, which isn't necessarily good if, you, if it's a two-hour movie and you're only getting 30 <laughs> seconds of it. But he really makes it a memorable scene. It's, it's one of those scenes where I'm like, I just want to go back and see that scene, and that's it. I don't want to watch the rest of the movie. I just want to see that 30 seconds. Love the music. This is Thomas Newton Howard's best piece in the whole film, in my opinion. And I love the scene. Tell me what you thought about it, or at least halfway uh, to where I am. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I, I really, I like, generally speaking, I like that whole scene. I like the attack. The, I don't mind actually the look of the monster itself, but mm -hmm. I agree that the sequence of sort of terror, again, we don't know what's happening as an audience yet, right? Yeah. I, I bought into the scene, the slow-mo stuff I, I did enjoy, maybe not quite exactly where you are in terms of the levels, but I thought it is definitely probably the most effectively executed shot. There's a couple of scenes I like, performances that are maybe a more static standard two yeah. shots. So this what I would yeah. say in terms of the movie, this is the most exciting, interesting, compelling yes. scene a sequence in the movie. And as you say, it does come uh, after 35 minutes of the movie and it's fairly short lived, but I thought generally speaking, very effective. I agree with you hundred percent. Good. I think it would just needed a, something like this later in the movie. 
and that's where, what I expected to get. I did yeah, and did not. you're right. It doesn't ever get to this level again, despite no. the fact that there's still no. an hour plus left in the movie. Yeah. But in fact, it really should have. It should have doubled down and gave us one same sort of feeling and last a little bit longer the next time. Give this that's one 30 it. seconds. Give it to us another in a half hour from now for 60 seconds. And that was yeah, a, a sure. Make it something uh, relevant again. Make it something interesting. I I, I just think it, it it definitely does not uh, ever get to this height again. In fact, right yeah. away. There's opportunities. But I, I think there's opportunities. Yeah, and we can get into it. But, I mean, as we get to those points, like oh, we can point out, it's like, hey, that's a spot where they could have done it, and they didn't. Yeah, or they thought yeah. they did, right? They thought that they were maybe, oh, maybe. establishing something different, and it's clearly yeah. not. One thing I will say is they almost, whatever almost like goodwill, for lack of a better term, that they garnered in that sequence, almost right away they cut to the wedding sequence. Yes, congratulations. Yeah, And that to me is just so bad. I thought that the performance, the dialogue, all the stuff, I just didn't like anything about it. I thought it was too long and... I just, I literally have wedding scene, terrible dialogue, long, boring, and then at the end, it's got some shrieks of terror. <laughs> yeah, I don't have much for it either, Phil. I think Bryce Dallas Howard is throughout that whole scene still doing her job, doing a, a fantastic moment, despite the fact that maybe it's not the most uh, compelling of scenes. Yeah, that's fair. Again, she's okay. I just, she ends up having, right after this, a, 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 the scene with, Joaquin on the porch. Yeah. And where this is the scene that I actually, I don't want to say it's my favorite in the movie, but it's one of my favorites of those two or the performance in general is because. Yeah, because of some hearty dialogue, right? You just get the ability. Again, you have the moment where Joaquin finally shows some level of emotion in this movie, where frankly, almost anybody shows some level of emotion in this movie, where he talks about why, you know, why must you always be talking why are you forcing me into this i don't always want to you know maybe i want to if i want to dance i will ask you to dance i I will lead why do you always want to lead right like i like that as a character that she is obviously very not oh boy progressive or whatever else to say that she wants these things and assertive maybe is a better word whereas and he's not sure what to make of that i thought that was a pretty good scene and really i thought their best scene together that's right. 1890. <laughs> Not to be progressive women in 1890. Yeah. Uh, but I thought that was that I was would, one of that was a scene that I, I thought was was pretty good and generally one of one of my uh, favorites at least in terms of performance. Again, there isn't a lot to this movie's performances that really stick out to me. I think most of them are a bit of a letdown. So that's good. one that I have that I enjoyed. Dancing is agreeable. Yes, right. I do not mind not I do not mind not leading. <laughs> Even the f- how many times you st- how many times you've stumbled over the intro of this podcast, Shut I'm still up. okay with you doing it. <laughs> <laughs> the podcast, the intro to this podcast is agreeable to me as well. <laughs> it's uh, no more I, than that, though. It's at best that <laughs> <laughs> it's agreeable. Uh, yeah, it's the best. And then Phil, I get to my next note is really comes around the stabbing. Yeah, I, I, what do you think yeah. about this scene? Because I. Frankly, it's really the one thing I like about it. I shouldn't say the one thing. The the one thing like I like. Most. The one thing I like about it is the straight silence of it. There's no sting music. There's no score. Really, there is no jump moment. 
It is all handled so quietly and it's and simplistically. There's no funny camera movement. It's really the most subtle scene, I think, in the movie for something like Ironically. this. Ironically. Yeah. yeah. It, it shows a lot of restraint, which is really interesting to me because this is not a director that is known for that. And yet this scene with the a violent outburst mm. with obviously real world consequences down the road to the characters. It's a pretty important scene in the movie and yet is handled very stoically. And I, I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, very disciplined from M night. And that's feels a little bit surprising actually, but yeah, I, the only thing I, I wanted in this movie, sorry, in this scene is I do the no music. I do the quietness of it. I would have liked just a bit of a noise of the knife going in. It's very mm. subtle, but I need, I want something just to make it more real. I felt like it just didn't actually happen. And I'm thinking in myself, if I can't hear it, it doesn't make any sense. You would actually hear the knife. The room can be quiet. There doesn't need to be music. That's normal. But when it comes to actually things that make noise in life, like we're not in outer space. So we should hear <laughs> the noise. A, a very, it doesn't have to be like, it's not like a, a gunshot, obviously, but you would hear something of it piercing the skin. And that's I, really all I wanted. So I know it's a bit of a nitpick. I just wanted that little bit of a noise to, to indicate there was something, not to give it away, but to indicate there was a noise of something. And then you see it like, oh, okay, that's what that noise would make. It doesn't make much of a noise as far as I know. Yeah, that's so interesting to me bone. because it's actually one of the things that I, I really thought was that it did best was I didn't want any noise because I didn't think that if I was to be stabbed like that it would make a noise I thought it would just slide in and out there wouldn't be it'd be like movie just something just like the just movie a little, just a, like a punch a, a, the movie sound of a punch right that's not real life that's just what a movie gets put in and so I I thought that this felt very realistic to me about how it wouldn't really be a I'm not saying I'm right or wrong. I just mean, so the thing I liked about it is the thing that you felt was lacking. I thought, I feel like that's pretty typical of our conversations. Uh, Yeah, I don't want much. I just want it very subtle. Now, we can try it someday if you want to see what the noise is. Give it a try. (laughs) See what happens. All right. Go see if we have any volunteers. But yeah, I just want something very subtle just to make it all around feel real. But otherwise, I thought it was a good choice, uh, generally, to do that. Well done. And then, uh, and I, and I like that from from his, from Noah's character. I think he's performed it so well. He's great. Where this action completely makes sense, and it makes sense for 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 Lucius not to expect it. He expects yeah. him to be maybe a little upset, but doesn't obviously expect it to be like this. Or he probably would have been more on the defense. So I think it's just a really well played. And it really leads to a moment where we don't necessarily expect it, but it makes sense. To happen so i love that yeah I, like i said i can't speak enough about it i thought this one this is a scene that could have gone a lot of different ways and i really respected how restrained the direction of it was i was really impressed and i also really like the follow-up too where ivy kind of goes to confront brody this character and that's also it handled i thought uh, very very simple simply nothing yeah, flashy her, but um, quality performance gives uh, gives noah the old newman <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the classic new starts wailing. Yeah, starts wailing. Yeah, uh, but I so uh, I thought those are two scenes that are, are are that could have been a lot showier. That in the end wasn't, which I really liked. 
Yeah, and then the, I think after that, Walker is, at this point is going to all of the elders and having his little moment there with all of them, and they're trying to say, my daughter wants to go. I want to give her the green light, and I know I'm not supposed to make a decision without the rest of the elders. Again, not really cluing in that they're something else than they appear to be. You just figure they're all just... They're the, the elders people. of the community, and you figure that there's something yeah. to that. Yeah, that there is some... They are inclined to manage the village. They are obviously the those that are the decision yeah. makers, right? Which was normal back in... I don't know, but I think back in that time, there was often people referred to as the elders, which are just people that are a little bit older and considered wiser. And Absolutely. Stuff. So in, it's indigenous sort of cultures, yeah. things like that, it's very common to yeah. respect the elder and take their teachings and trustings and so forth. So all of that felt real. I, I wish that there was just more of them or more for them to do. I thought, generally mm-hmm. speaking, they were fine, but they had very stiff dialogue and not a whole lot of emotion and not a whole lot of anything to really convey. All the actors are, are solid actors. Again, we talked about Sigourney Weaver and Brendan Gleeson and William Hurt, just to name three, are all very yeah. good uh, actors. Yeah, I like Gleeson. Yeah, but not like a Gleason. lot He's to really do. Yeah, Gleeson, this is his really only moment, too. He, he has a line or two. We oh, came just, here. You know, let her go. Yes. Yeah, it's all about the hope. Exactly. And, uh, it's nice. Like it, it stands out a little bit. So at least there is that. But I agree. There could have been a, a little bit more. That scene with Brendan Gleeson's okay, but the sort of speech and this is where hope is or what have you. It, I didn't really feel it. And I, I felt like this is where the movie really starts to get really dry. It's uh-huh. already been fairly dry. But now all of a sudden it turns into some sort of heartwarming thing, messaging that just doesn't really connect with me. And it's further exacerbated as we move on. Now, the next real scene we've got is the shed, the shed where we don't go, uh, or something like that. The darn shed, which yeah, it doesn't make sense because if you're told not to go there, you kids should be going to it on a daily basis. Everybody should be so trying if you're told to get not in to there. do something. <laughs> That's my Absolutely. only kind of nitpick about that. And you're right, it is getting a little bit dry. Maybe it could use some uh, 1930s rain, perhaps. <laughs> which, it's uh, frustrating to me as well because the way that this guy M Night cuts the movie, it's all in service of kind of bullshitting the audience and the fact that we get the scene where he takes her to the shed and this is like a setup and payoff but it's such a short setup and payoff that it's really frustrating to me so it's not like we get to the shed in the beginning of the movie and then oh the payoff comes we get she shows the shed he's like you have to promise me not to scream or something to that effect and walks her into the shed and then we cut out and she's walking now into the forest full yellow uh, poncho with two boys and she's got the magic rocks right and the boys are like why we've never heard of this before the rain That's comes a good point. absolutely Christoph brings up a very good point absolutely it makes complete <laughs> sense to me why you would ask that question and be a little suspicious of it and they have some bickering in the rain and eventually they agree they're going to go away and leave her on her own and she dumps the rocks because yeah. they were nothing. They were just for them. And we're like, oh, interesting. Yeah, exactly. And then we it cut back to the shed. So it's like well, maybe five minutes later. And it's such a bullshit yeah. cop-out move. It drives me fucking crazy that we get this, speaking of Newman, business of here's what we didn't show you five minutes ago. And we get to see what is actually in the shed and the reveal mm-hmm. finally of what those we don't speak of really are, is 
And he says, it's a hoax. It's a story we tell. It's made up. Yeah, so we heard about see, these stories, and then we yeah. just use what we read in our history books. They made it come to life. Yeah, That's it. And we that's why we know that nothing will hurt you when you're out there because there isn't anything to hurt you. We made it all up. And once you hear that, to me, the movie is dead. That's where I think what we alluded to earlier is this didn't really take us to where we thought we were going to go. Agreed. But the movie still has 20 minutes left. So it's what's even more annoying. Okay, so the whole thing's fake. So nothing we saw really was anything. And why do I care if she's going to be alone in the forest now? Because there is nothing to be scared of. And the monster that the scene with the monster that comes later is we know it's a hoax. So whatever this is, it's not real. Even if it's purported to be real, we know that it's not real. And that I found Um, a a weird juxtaposition and a weird place to be as an audience. Did you not feel that at all? The first viewing, yes. And I'll tell you why I didn't feel so, so much the second time where I didn't mind it so much the way they cut it. So I was a little bit confused, but then I got the subtitles up. It all makes sense to me. And then she's in the forest and we see this creature. I'm like, now, okay, we know it's a hoax, like you said, but then it in her, you hear the dialogue. She's reliving the dialogue in her head, the conversation she had with her dad. Yeah. And she says, we got this idea based on history, the books that we read. So that tells me it puts fear back into her because maybe the stories they read in the history book were actually true. Oh, okay. Because right? it was written, yeah, it was written as if it had happened. So I think that's why it's it makes sense. But you really have to get you have to listen to it those lines as it happens. That part I'm okay with because of that. and I think just being alone in a forest is enough for me to be scared. My issue really feel different than yours, but there is an issue, and it's with the growls yeah. and the sound effects because. Noah can't make those noises. Those aren't human noises. No. So is there like a recording box that he's activated? That's right. What are we dealing with here? Yep. Yeah. So I had a bit of an issue with that. That's trying to trick us, and I don't appreciate that. (laughs) Yeah, I had a few (laughs) issues like that. I I didn't love the credulity, things like her running and falling into the pit. It just feels like there's a better way to do that. She's got a one – well, she's one-handed in the rain and blind and can still somehow – not only fall into this pit, but react fast enough and have the strength to gather and get her up out of that pit feels really forced and really unnecessary. And But I do the sequence in which she's being chased and that in the end, and it intercuts, right? We don't know what's happening. And then it cuts back to the reveal that there is a costume underneath the floorboards And I wondered why what looked like in the shed, they had three or four of these things hanging in the shed. Mm -hmm. I wondered, why do these guys have it in the floorboards? Did they leave it in the floorboards? It seems like they did. Yeah. And I have a thought about that, Phil. And I I feel like maybe they were the rogue elders. Oh, okay. But I don't think that was the intention. I'm just filling in that hole right there. Yeah, It sounds questionable as well. And there was something they, the mother mentioned about bone, animal bones. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't get that either. There's a, still a couple of things I might have to watch again to get. Cause I, she mentioned when that same reveal of, oh, he took the suit's missing. And, and animals bone, animal bones. Well, what, did, what are you talking about the animal bones? I think he's the one that was skinning so. them. So I think the implication is that he's the one oh. that, that, that was basically 
terrorizing or like bringing the those animals back into the village. Oh, so maybe it was Noah the whole time. I, I would again understand he's obviously a person that can't communicate, Brody. So if Noah was in the shed, this is how you get away with maybe showing some scenes at the shed earlier. It's oh the shed, he's going mm. in. We don't see what's in the shed, but we just see him because he going in or out of the shed at some point. We're like, oh, what's in the shed? Then that reveal comes and it's like, oh gosh, it's these costumes. Who's involved in that? Oh, it's the elders. Oh my gosh, it's a conspiracy or whatever. Because we don't know anything about the shed and this costume exists in the floorboards, I don't know why it's in the floorboards. Who brought it? Who took it? Who we just established. That's an interesting point. I would agree. I think having, because Noah's character is someone who would be nosing around. He's the one that accidentally, not accidentally, but goes in the forest because he doesn't know better. That's right. Right? So, and they're not going to harm him because he doesn't know better. So he would be the type of guy that would be going around the shed and, and maybe get his hands on that. Sure. The and, issue is, and won't is why blab mom- about it. And he couldn't blab. He wouldn't come back and say, oh my gosh, look, I found the costumes. For just sure. feels a little yeah. rushed. And those are things that it's like the movie has painted itself into a bit of a corner to me in this moment and doesn't know what to yes, do with uh, it. And so we'll flush something fast down down the drain and hope for the best that way. And I find that to be one of the many kind of letdowns of the last sort of 20 minutes of the movie. What did you think of his of Noah's death? Loved it. That is did a scene he die I loved. well? I thought he died fantastically. I like the shot around it as well. The overhead shot as he's twitching himself to death. Yes, I like the fact, yes, she's blind. I like the fact that she feels the trunk of the tree that yep. has uprooted. Yep. So she knows where she is. Yep. So that's smartly done, and she steps out of the way. That I love, and yeah, I agree. I thought the scene was sad, but it was powerful. Yeah, generally speaking, I actually that that death sequence a lot. I just it's just like why it's the why of it that I don't really fully appreciate, but I definitely like the way it's handled. How do you feel? I feel we as an audience may have got screwed over with the reveal of the fo- photograph before we find out from Ivy's character where she is. It gives it away before she gets to the wall and yep. she has to climb up it. And then it cuts and there's no reason for the walkers for for them to be looking at. The, I don't know why they're looking all of a sudden at this picture. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. There's, there's no, yeah, they're not giving us a reason why. It's just to reminisce or but no reason to do it. Opening up the box, showing the picture, explaining. I love the stories. Don't get me wrong. They're interesting. And I like I don't mind the, take it all away. I don't mind the, the the plot of the movie, the idea of them creating this village. I'm I'm okay with that. It's just a delivery of some things. But how do you think it would have panned out had we not got that, or at least got it after, and have Ivy's character all of a sudden interacting with an automobile? The whole where we still think it's 1890. Yeah. And here we have Kevin Lipinski. Oh yeah. A park ranger. For the Walker, uh, yeah, nature preserver, preserver yeah. To, yeah. I, I wonder, do, do you did you feel cheated? I felt cheated in every possible way. At by the end of this movie, I thought that the stuff with the the the, the flashback or whatever else, staring at these photos, I thought was so completely un. We use this term unearned, but this one is not even unearned. It's it's such a. It just has no meaning whatsoever. In no, it's such a movie moment. We talked about the the moment uh, of Newman, Paul Newman's uh, uh, death in Road to Perdition last week, 
and how I had mentioned that it feels like a movie for the first time. Like it's so stylized and designed in such a way that it feels like this is the movie moment. And this one is similar except without any of the gravitas or without any of the interest. It's let's gather everybody in one shot, have them stare at a photo for no good reason whatsoever and and flash and offer voiceover dialogue around what got them there. It's such a movie contrivance and I blame Shyamalan for just not being able to create a, a, a movie that can hang, that has the weight to support things like this, has the girders, has the foundation to support it. So it just feels so tacked on and unnecessary. And I agree with you, probably does take a little bit of the sting out of the big quote-unquote reveal as she gets yeah. over the wall. But as a whole, as a scene itself, even if it were the last shots of the movie, I thought it was just so contrived and lame and uh, movie, movie-like that it was really disappointing to me. And then it was only compounded by the scene afterwards in the, in the actual towns. Yeah, I don't really have much on that. Uh, nothing positive to say. No, me neither. It's it's just not very good. I don't think we really need to spend too much time on it. Other than we get M Knight's reveal, uh, which was obnoxious. We get that you know this guy. I thought everything that guy was doing to be like discreet was not. Hey, where's that uh, ladder? No, uh, it's so obvious. He's grabbing the medicines and stuff like that. Yeah. Like just take it. Who gives? It's so dumb. And unnecessary, and just it's supposed to create tension. No one buys for a second that something is going to happen to this guy if he's no. caught. So who cares? It's dumb. And I, I didn't like it really th- that it's Walker. Oh, it's there. They own it. What? And then you get that bullshit exposition yeah, from M. Night 2 where it's, yeah, I remember a couple of years ago we had to change to a no-fly zone. And boy, that was a pain in the ass. It just felt, oh, we've got five minutes to uh, try and tie up any loose ends we may have because I'm not a quality, I'm not a good enough storyteller to keep it all together. So here's five minutes of stuff and uh, credits roll. What? What am I watching? What is this? The guy's looking at the picture. Doesn't make sense in its on its in its own context. And then the you know the, again all the stuff with the. I just thought you don't. You're in a mess of a movie. You're trying to lock it down in five minutes, and none of it makes any sense, and none of it feels good. So by the time the movie's over, I'm left with such a a, a deflation of, of of interest that barely existed to begin with. Uh, that I didn't care that Lucius was survived or not. I, I hated everything about it. Uh, I, I'm sure you don't feel maybe as strongly as I do, but what are your thoughts on that last 10 minutes or so? I'm confused with the news. I know you like to read newspapers that show up in, in movies. Yes. You're pretty good with Generally that. Generally, I do, yeah. And there's one that, that said seven-year-old boy missing, and I thought it had something to do with the beginning with the seven-year-old that had died, mm. but I couldn't piece it together yeah i don't think so i feel like there's supposed to be a connection there but i don't i assume that seven-year-old had lived his whole life in the village so why would he be in the newspaper yeah you get the impression that they've been at that village for a long time yeah so i think there's something more to it i might look into it just out of curiosity because it might make me like the movie a slightly better yeah but i would agree i just dislike that i don't mind kevin lupinski i had no issues with him at all he's doing the best he can with what he's got to work with <laughs> poor fucker but, jesus poor fucker. oh my god but that was painful to watch Ugh. i don't mind trying to tie up a couple loose ends if it's delivered nonchalantly that's fine but it wasn't it was delivered by the director and it just uh, really heavy-handed dialogue just, i thought 
Yes, unnecessary, heavy-handed, didn't like anything about it. I don't mind Kevin ultimately keeping his mouth shut and helping her get back. Totally fine with that. Oh, I don't know what the beeping was going on in the vehicle as the scene with him ladder and she had clearly gone back. Yeah. I thought maybe that she he was tracking her with a GPS or something. Something, but, but nothing. I don't know. It's, it wasn't like the door was open. That's not the ki- that's not the type of beep the door makes when the when it's open. It's a slower no. sort of. This was be- and I, whatever. I'll have to look into that as well. <laughs> and then we get back to the final scene. And this only thing I like about it, Phil, is it I can dislike actually is it makes Noah's death matter. And for a movie that makes almost nothing matter, it makes his, it says now we can use that death. We will tell him that the creature got Noah and that'll further uh, that. The myth, myth, basically. Yeah, yeah, it is a myth, but it'll further ensure that everyone believes that there are creatures alive. Here it is. Here's Noah. Here's a dead body. This is what happened. And that'll just renew the fear for another five to 10 years, whatever it may be. And the parents, okay, at least he didn't die in complete vain, in vain. Like he, there's a purpose to his death and we'll bury him properly. That was okay. But at the, at the end of the day, Phil, at the end of the movie, I still felt, oh, okay, that was all for not much. Yeah. And I was disappointed. It was like unbreakable, but without the payoff. Yeah. Ultimately. And that's an issue. And yeah, so that's my thought about the the end of the movie, not the movie as a whole, but the ending of it. I'm I'm pretty much with you. Probably not to this. You're more passionate about things you don't like. (laughs) I respect that. So I'm not quite at that level, but I 100% see where you're coming from. And I can't disagree in any real way much at all, unfortunately. Yeah, I wish that ultimately I would say that I, I try and with every movie and particularly with movies like this, where I think that I'm coming in already to dislike it and so I really do try particularly when I see a, a name of a director or an actor or somebody that doesn't usually work for me I, I do try and work doubly hard to disassociate myself from those opinions in an attempt to really just lock into the movie that they're trying to tell and not and trying to drop the baggage and mm, I appreciate that and the problem with this one is in doing so early on I'm intrigued by the questions it asks and some of the scenarios it sets up. But it's basically what I feel like a failure by the writer, director, producer to really pay off any of those things throughout the rest of the movies. You've and because the nature of his style of filmmaking, and this was an issue I had anytime that there's a twist, or in particular the way he handles them, is that the whole thing is often predicated on this twist. And if you remove that twist, that the movie falls apart. And I think if you go into this movie thinking they're just in a village and on the other side is the town, then nothing in this movie has any merit or has any reason for being. And I felt like at every turn, this movie could have gone a different direction and been more compelling and it chose something different. And this movie doesn't answer any questions that it, or enough questions that it asks. And the questions that it asks also aren't that interesting. So by the time it's over, it's like an hour 40 five of movies that of a movie that to me has no weight has no credibility and has no sustaining reason for being I don't, I don't know why you make this movie because there isn't anything going on in it that's unique or interesting or compelling and by the time it's over I'm so bored and with with the with everything about it that I, I have no reason to ever watch this movie again. You might say as you said watching movies over and over again you sometimes will pick up new things nuances 
subtleties, particularly with it, mm-hmm. when it comes to a twist, the second watch is often more rewarding because you figure out all the ways in which you know the clues or that you may have dropped along the way that you're able to pick up on this movie offers none of that i don't think by not choosing by choosing not to show the shed by choosing not to show certain pieces of the mystery let's say other than the box underneath the stairs which has no real weight to it then it doesn't really deliver on the promise of uh you know a scary movie or a dramatic movie or something thrilling it just doesn't deliver on any front and as a result certainly i'll never watch this movie again and i can't recommend it i don't know why anybody would have as you say uh, rated it as underrated movie because mm. I, I think it's really a bad movie a really boring bad movie and we don't often get uh, we get some movies i don't like but they're not a whole lot that i would say is a bad movie or actively bad i think this is actively a bad movie so you didn't like it not my favorite yeah i don't mind a movie just being a story i'm okay with that but this is for me i would say strike two against m night uh i never see his last name right and i feel bad about that i appreciate it i try and give you off the hook by just saying calling him m night we just skipped the last name (laughs) (laughs) and and what i mean by strike two strike one would have been glass it's his because if it's just gonna be a story that's perfectly fine but when you make bad story choices for that story, that's where the problem is. And that's what he seems to have a habit of doing. I'm not going to count the happening because I saw it so far, so long ago. I don't really remember it very well. I, I'm not going to count that as a strike against. It could be, though. It very well could be. And I feel that these mistakes just really hurt the movie. Or when not just his this movie, but again, like, glass that whole scene with all these extras or supposed to be important people it's just a completely it's just a mistake it's just this is either lazy or an oversight and i don't know he's he's such an interesting like he has he obviously has a formula yeah and he sticks with it for better or for worse sometimes he gets seems to get it right and sometimes he doesn't this movie is very similar to signs and i don't know it will come off the shelf at some point i do have it I do remember liking it generally. I find this one very similar to a, there's a 30 second moment that's really awesome. And there's a couple, a bit of a payoff. Interesting. Pretty good. Like Mel Gibson can't go wrong there, (laughs) but I don't remember if there, if I felt there's any mistakes made in the movie. So that'd be why I'd want to revisit it and see if this really is a, something that keeps coming back with his choices. It just, it might make sense to some people, some obviously some people like this movie for me it's just those few choices that make me question the film and it's and it bothers me because i feel like there is a better movie here we i know you've mentioned it several times certain choices that are made like there is a movie in here that's good it's just because of a certain number of choices and decisions that makes it just not a great movie and it seems to be things that are easily corrected and that, i think that's what really irks me so i have to say this movie would is staying on my shelf simply because I'm curious to see if there's anything I miss. So I'll probably revisit it eventually. But the reasons I'm revisiting isn't because I thought it was a really great movie. I thought it was okay at best. Uh, I love that one scene, but it's a lot to watch just for that moment. Yeah, that's my sort of final thoughts around it. I appreciate that, Dave. And listeners, we appreciate you. We thank you for listening. And please rate the podcast five stars on your podcatcher of choice. Subscribe so you never miss a week. And obviously, more importantly than anything, share the podcast with everybody that you meet. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next week, folks. 
Good night.